Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. Well, guys, on today's episode, we get the chance to share one of the most amazing stories that I have ever heard. I'm talking about Chris and Emily Norton. Chris Norton, if you don't know his story, was this unbelievably talented 18-year-old football player who had this unbelievable life ahead of him, and then everything changed on the football field. He literally broke his neck, was laying flat on his back, and literally was given a 3% chance to ever actually just move again. I just close my eyes, I try to block it out, and I just begin to pray to God, just please, whatever you do, don't change my plan, just let me be a normal 18-year-old kid, let me play football, begging God, don't change my plan. But obviously, you know, sometimes God has a better plan for you than the plan you had for yourself. As you'll hear Chris share today, his amazing story of how he walked across the stage at his graduation, how he met his future bride, and how they embarked on a challenge together to defy odds one more time. These two people will inspire you, will encourage you, and the beauty of it all is you can see God moving at every single turn in their life. Our time with them literally touched our lives in such a big way, and we know that it's going to touch yours as well. So guys, get ready. Here's Chris and Emily Norton. Well, Chris and Emily, welcome to the show. We're so glad you guys are here with us today. Yeah, thank you. We're excited to be here and talk to you guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, as we said before we jumped on here, we are just really cheering you guys on. We love your story. We love your family. I mean, you guys are making a massive impact in people's lives. And you just launched this brand new book, The Seven Longest Yards. And I can't wait to dive into that. But before we do that, let's kind of go back. There's You guys have quite a story. And I want to make sure our audience understands how powerful and kind of God-inspired your story is. So, uh, Chris, let's start with you. Um, you had a massive moment in your life. How many years ago was it? It's going to be almost nine years in October. Wow. Nine yeah. years ago. Can you tell our audience what happened in your life and where you were nine years ago? Yeah, so uh, you know, nine years ago, I was uh, an 18-year-old kid, just living the dream, living um, everything was going according to plan, and I was playing college football at Luther College. And I went into my freshman year. I worked my way up the, the depth chart, started playing more than any other freshman. And the sixth game of the season is when everything changed for me. Uh, we were kicking the ball off to their team, third quarter, just a beautiful fall day. And I'm sprinting downfield, and I see this opening for me where I know that ball carrier who's trying to score a touchdown, like he's going to run through this hole. I'm going to stop him. I'm going to drive my shoulder so hard through his legs, he's going to drop the ball. Well, I see that opening, and I make a diving tackle for his legs, but I mistime my jump just by a split second. So instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier, hitting with my shoulder, my head hits him right in his legs, and I lose all feeling and movement from my neck down. I hear the collision of the players above me. The whistle blows. The pile clears. I can't get up and I'm trying so hard to push off the ground I'm completely conscious I just can't move or feel anything below the neck and I'm telling myself Chris you got to get up Uh, I don't want the game to be stopped for me I don't want the athletic trainers running out so I'm like trying as hard as I could just to to move something but I couldn't and so instantly my mind goes to okay 
I'm suffering a stinger, uh, just a bad stinger. So like uh, a stinger is for someone who doesn't know, it's just like a pretty much like a pinched nerve and your body goes temporarily numb um, from like a hit. And it just takes maybe like a minute or a few minutes just to kind of regain that sensation of movement and you're fine. Well, And you'd had those before in football, right? I mean, yeah, I've had it before in football. So that's where my mind jumped to like, oh man, this is just a bad stinger. Okay, just give it a little more time and I'll get up right off the field and walk off. Well, you know, the athletic trainers run out, they're checking on me, they're asking me questions. Uh, Like, Chris, can you make a fist with your hand? I'm trying to make a fist with my hand. Nothing's happening. You know, Chris, can you feel us touching your leg? I couldn't feel a thing. And these questions went on and on with the same answer. Eventually, the paramedics get involved, and they called in for a helicopter. And it was at that moment when they called in for the helicopter that it really started to sink in that this is bad. Like, something bad is really happening. And as an 18-year-old kid, you just never really understand the gravity of the situation. So I just closed my eyes. I tried to block it out. And I just began to pray to God, just please, whatever you do, don't change my plan. Just let me be a normal 18-year-old kid, let me play football, but, you know, just begging God, don't change my plan. But obviously, you know, sometimes God has a better plan for you than the plan you had for yourself. So wow, what, what a moment. And so, okay, you get off this helicopter, you get to the hospital, and then what happens? You're, you're going, okay, maybe, maybe, um, you've got hope, you're going, okay, maybe, maybe this is a temporary thing. Like, what is the word that the doctor gives to you? Yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, just hoping that it's temporary. Hopefully, like, you know, they can do something, fix me up. And I'll be all right. And at this point, I'm so scared where I'm even telling myself, I, I thought I was compromising with myself. Like, you know what? I'll give up sports. You know, that's, I'll give up sports. Just let me give, give me the ability to walk and get around freely. Like, I'll give it all up. Like, that was my identity. So that was like a big deal for me. And actually, I'll never forget when the surgeon comes in before they put me to sleep for surgery. And he asks, you know, do you have any questions? And this entire time up to this point, I've been really quiet. Like, I just want everyone to do their job focused and get all the answers that they need so they can give me the best answer for this question that I had, which was, will I walk again? And seeing that look on that surgeon's face just kind of told me everything. Uh, He just looked defeated and just looked at the ground and said, I don't know. And that is when I I really started to lose it at that point. I was so scared and also so surprised. I thought, you know, doctors, surgeons, they had all the answers, but they don't. And then the next day, um, I was given a 3% chance to ever regain any feeling or movement back below the neck. And it was devastating. I just couldn't believe a 3% chance, like not a 3% chance to walk again, a 3% chance to move anything or feel anything below your neck, a 3% chance to scratch an itch on your face, to be able to feed yourself. Just all the little simple things in life that I definitely took for granted was just all t- all gone, and on top of walking and, and sports, but I made this decision. I was just not going to accept it. I was just going to do whatever I could to get out of that situation. That I didn't want to be like the ninety seven percent. Like I want to be that three mm-hmm. percent, and I'm going to work as hard as I can each and every day to be that three percent. That's so awesome. So, Chris, I want to ask you about your faith in all of this. You mentioned it before, and I know it played a really big part in your journey and in this decision to go for this goal. Can you tell us a little bit about what was that like? What were your conversations with God? What, what role did your faith have in this journey? Yeah. So 
leading up to it, like before my injury, I had a faith. I believed in God. I Thankfully, my parents would drag me to church. <laughs> I didn't want to go, but I, yeah. I went anyway. But that was planted in my heart. Like I believed in it. And God was always there as kind of the pitcher, like, right? Like come in a pinch. If I need somebody, um, he was there Like when I really needed him. Otherwise, I'm going to take care of it myself. Like, I got it. And it really taught me to depend on God because I had no one else really to depend on. I was Everything was out of control. There's so much uncertainty. So it really taught me to depend on God and to trust in God. And it gave me this glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel. Like something good could come out of this, like something um, positive or there's another plan for me, a good plan for me. And I just have to trust God and what it says and, and his word. And that was hard because um, there's a lot of times that I question it too. Like, God, do you, are you sure you know what you're doing? Like, <laughs> Don't we all? Like, yeah. This doesn't seem like this should be part of my plan. Like I, had a, I thought I had a great plan for myself. And I just like also begged God too, like, could you give me a glimmer or at least like a, a peek into the future of what my life will look like? Like I felt like there, there could be a greater purpose for me. I didn't know what it was. If I could just know a little bit about what that would be, it would help through that suffering in the beginning. Uh, but obviously, you know, God doesn't work like that, and that's not how faith works, right? Mm-hmm. Faith is something that you believe in, you trust in, although you can't see it or maybe feel it at the time, um, but you just have to, to trust in that, and uh, that's what I had to do. It, it taught me to have that faith, to just be patient and just uh, stay hopeful, but it, it gave me hope. That's so awesome. So, Chris, you were given this 3% chance and you're working towards beating those odds. Um, Emily, bring us up to speed into what was going on in your world when all this is happening with Chris and how your paths crossed. Yeah, so um, I came from such a great family, lived in a small town in Iowa. I had parents who loved me unconditionally. They were constantly there, supportive at every single thing I did. And my eyes were completely opened when I was in high school. I started a mentoring program and I met a girl named Whitley and Whitley ended up being taken away from her mom and placed into foster care. Um, And I figured out that she was in an abusive home and also just a home where she was being neglected and not getting the love that she needed. So that was a really eye-opening experience for me, just coming from the family I came from, um, realizing there are kids in my community, a kid that I knew who was going through something so difficult at home when I have everything I could ever imagine. Um, So I was on a mission. Like when I was in high school, I just knew that God put me here to help kids in these situations. I want to help them know they're loved, they're special. Um, I want to do everything in my power to be there to help these kids who have gone through hard things and kind of fill that void that they didn't have with their family. So that's what I did. I got involved with a lot of different things. And then I went to college for family services. Um, so when then in college, me and Chris met online and it was just this instant connection. Um, I had stopped him because (laughs) he had his link for his foundation. So I was like, okay, what's this? And clicked on it and saw that he was able to take his injury and turn it into something positive where he started this foundation to help people. And then he had this motivational speaking he was doing. And I was in awe. I couldn't believe it that somebody could take something that could literally destroy your life and take it and turn it into something so good that was impacting a lot of people. Um, And then we met up and the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) 
That is so amazing. I love that both of you were on this path of like trying to impact the world as best as possible. And then your worlds collide and God starts doing something unbelievable. And so with this kind of drive and attitude and this, I'm not going to be that 97, I'm going to be the 3%, you set off with a goal, Chris. Uh, Can you tell us about that goal? And it looks like the two of you kind of came together to help bring this goal into reality. Yeah, my goal and really my dream was to walk across the stage of my college graduation. I knew with my injury, the spinal cord injury, it's a slow process and there's so many question marks around it and it was a slow and steady progress and I, when I went back to school in the fall of 2011, it just felt so fitting to finish my college career, get my diploma by walking uh, just like everybody else. And so the seed was planted and I just set out that I'm going to set this big goal. And even if I fall short of this big goal, at least I'll know I gave it my all. Like I know I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to do whatever I can to shoot big, aim big in life. Because if I miss, uh, at least I'm hopefully miss small. And I'll be further along than just going for a smaller goal. And then I met Emily. And I told Emily about this goal that I had. And I was kind of keeping it like to myself, this goal, and maybe just a few other friends. And Emily really lit a fire with her and came alongside me and became my best personal trainer and was pushing me and also encouraged me to make it public to help with encourage other people to go after their dreams and their goals. And it also really helped me become accountable. And just like if I wanted to let myself down, I couldn't let the people around me that were supporting me and wanted to see me go for this goal. And so that really helped encourage me and um, spark me to not give up because there's plenty of times, and especially when you're going for a dream where you question it, like, is this worth all the work and the hassle and the stress to go for something that you don't know is going to happen? Like, what if you fail? And I had to push past those fears and just go for it. And I felt like God just planted it in my heart and I had to just listen and just do it anyway. And uh, Emily was there to support me and to encourage me as well. And I would say we had a pretty successful graduation. Uh, the day before, I proposed to Emma. Yeah. I surprised her. <laughs> we had a videotape photographed, had her family there to also help with the surprise. And the goal, too, like the plan was for her to walk me across the stage. So how special would it be to have you know your fiancé be the one walking versus just your girlfriend? But it would have been really awkward if she would have said no. <laughs> Thank- <laughs> Thankfully, it worked out. Um, but then the graduation walk just like went better than what we could ever dreamed of. Yeah, talk more about that moment. I, I love that this goal that you had, Chris, um, to walk across the stage really became yours as well, Emily. And you were right there with him every step of the way, um, working towards this incredible moment. Tell us about what it was like for both of you to walk across that stage together and the response of the people that were there with you. Yeah, for me, it was honestly one of my favorite moments of my life, like mm. for sure the top few moments it was just like, I remember a few times looking up at Chris when he was up taking steps. So just a smile on my face, like he's doing it because I was there and I saw the hours and hours and hours every single day that he put into this and something that he had been working for years on. So it was this surreal moment. I thought I would be way more nervous than I was, but I really was, I felt in the moment and just was looking at Chris, like you're doing it. Like this is absolutely amazing. And then the response from the crowd was crazy because everybody immediately is up 
on their feet and they are just freaking out. Like it is such a loud roar, um, which was really cool too. Yeah. And then the, the thing that I think a lot of people listening probably saw is something happened. And I don't think you guys, there wasn't a plan for this to happen, but this thing caught fire, right? Talk about what happened yeah. after that video went viral. Yeah, the video went viral. We put it out on YouTube and just shared it on our Facebook page. And then um, the next thing you know, we like we check it again, and it has like a couple hundred thousand views. We're like, whoa! Like we just put this out, and then we start getting emails and phone calls. And the first one was like a Fox and Friends producer, and it's like Memorial Day afternoon, and they're like, "Can you be in studio tomorrow morning?" And we're like. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, uh, I guess why not? And then it just, it just kept rolling. We just thought that would be it. Like, this is it. Like, what a cool experience. And then somebody else calls, and then somebody else calls, and it just kept going and going. And and then we, we were one time we thought it was over. We went to a diner, and then we look up. They have CNN playing, and it's our video on CNN. We're like, whoa! Like that's that's cool. like that's just like so real. And um, it, it was really special to be able to just share our story and hopefully um, just encourage other people, give people hope. I think that's what, why it caught fire. It just was so encouraging to everyone who watched it. And uh, we just never imagined it to be that impactful. Um, we thought maybe, you know, my goal, was, my hope was it would encourage people. But I thought it'd be like locally, like people in that gym, maybe the local media uh, would pick it up. I never imagined it would go like international. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing I love is that, and Emily, you touched on this a little bit, you put in years and hours and hours for these 30 seconds, mm-hmm. a minute, you know, and, and you kept going. And one of the things I want, I hope the people listening will take from you that inside of you is this lion that is, is willing to fight for the things you believe in. And so... Talk to me what drove you and what is the message that you hope the person listening maybe has a dream or a goal and it's years away that you would say to them? Because I know you speak for a living, you inspire people. The hope that's inside of you, I think, can inspire others. So would you take a second and just speak to that person who's listening right now? Yeah, I would say like if you are feeling something in your heart, like you're feeling this calling, this dream to listen, like it's there for a reason and to not ignore it or push it away because it's scary because you might fail like it's there for a reason and listen to that call and just do whatever you can to make it into a reality Uh, because something i really discovered along this journey is that your future will take care of itself when you take care of today and so while you have this dream this huge goal uh, don't let this dream overwhelm you and what you can do at this moment and so just do whatever you can each and every day to just progress towards that dream and i think uh i think when you work as hard as you possibly can good things will come your way because honestly my dream was actually to walk independently across the stage so you could say that i didn't reach that initial goal but really what ended up happening was something even more special because i think if i would have walked across that stage just like everybody else that video doesn't impact other people, doesn't give people hope. And that's really what's given me all this purpose. So I, I say just go for your dreams and, and just fight for it relentlessly just one day at a time. Yeah, I think that's the coolest part for me looking back on it. Because honestly, a year before the walk, I couldn't walk with him at all. 
Like I literally could not walk with him. He wasn't strong enough and I wasn't able to help him. So we had no idea how we were going to do it. He was in this big green walker, like a huge walker um, that took up a ton of space and he needed somebody to help with that as well. So he had literally no idea how it would, how it would become a reality, but he didn't let those fears get in the way and like the fear of failing, the fear of not being able to do it. But instead every day he just focused on what he could do and did that and then did extra and extra and then continue to just progress every single day every night at bedtime we would walk to bed that was just something that we did on top of the therapy is like that one thing that we could do a little bit extra um, to just bring us closer to the goal so then by the time the graduation walk happened we were super comfortable walking together we had done it every single day for that last like probably what six months before i think we started yeah. doing that um so yeah, I, I think that's the coolest thing uh and so many times you have a dream and you let fears get in the way i know for myself that's hard for me mm-hmm. um but that was so awesome to see chris just not let those fears get in the way and then what happened because he didn't and the impact it had in millions of people's lives it was amazing to be able to see that that's so cool i love that guys i know I th- and you're right i know people are listening maybe they haven't been given a three percent chance to walk or move but they're facing something that feels impossible and I love that encouragement to just trust God, even if his plan looks different than yours, um, trust him and keep making it one step at a time, just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, that's so good. So you guys, you got engaged and you're getting ready for this brand new life together and you committed to another audacious goal of seven yards. Tell us about that one and what that looked like for you guys. Yeah, you know, honestly, like leading up to the graduation walk, like life for us stopped at the graduation walk. Like we did not have a single plan of what we were going to do after that moment. Like that's how much we like focused and concentrated on how big of a deal it was in, in our hearts. And then after it happened, that was a question I got. Like, what's the next goal? I was like, well, I guess we're, we're getting married. We just walked together. Like, let's walk down the aisle. Like it just, it just felt so natural. So, and it had been really special. And also, Another reason it became really important to us to walk down the aisle was seeing the impact mm-hmm. of the graduation walk. If that graduation walk doesn't go viral, if it doesn't make that sort of impact on other people, I don't know if we would have ever tried another crazy goal like walking down the aisle seven yards, which is three yards further than the graduation walk, and also side by side, which Emily was in front of me for the graduation walk, which gives me the most support. So her moving to my side. I lose a lot of that support. So it was going to take another years of training to make it happen. And it was all worth it because we knew the people that were counting on us. And a question that you could ask yourself, like, who needs you to keep going Mm -hmm. so that they can keep going? And so thinking about all those people who need that push and need that glimmer of light, that hope at the end of the tunnel, uh, we want to be able to give that to them. Mm -hmm. And so that made it that wedding walk that much more important for us. I absolutely love it. And I love, you know, with this book that you've written, uh, give us the heart behind that. When somebody picks up this book and they hear your story and they hear this message, what is your hope that somebody walks away with when they put this book down? Well, I think people might recognize, you know, again, they, maybe they've seen the graduation walk video, maybe they've seen our wedding walk video. And it's kind of like, that's sort of like our highlight real moments, but they're not necessarily all the real moments that go into making that into a reality and we want people to see the work and the struggles and the challenges that we face because it's going to be similar to what 
anyone faces and hopefully it will encourage them to keep going to keep fighting to push away that fear and that doubt that comes in it seeps into your head and and also to show that life's lowest moments can be the source of our greatest gifts Uh, like every single low moment that we've really had has helped equipped us to be the best versions of ourselves but you have to choose to keep going even if you don't know where you're going you got to take one step in front of the other you just can't stop you can't quit and we hope this will be that kind of push for people that it is worth it to keep going yeah no absolutely i mean a big thing is just helping others know there's hope um so actually right after the graduation walk i open up about this in the book for the first time but um i struggled with depression and anxiety and i got to an extremely low point in my life um at the time i had no idea why it was happening but I, I look back now and see how I was putting so much weight on my shoulders and so much that was out of my control where it got to just be too much. It was just, it was an instant thing. Like the graduation walk, it was like a bandaid on what was going on and I shoved it down and we were so focused on that. And when that was gone, it just hit me hard mm. and I had no idea who I was anymore. I felt like Emily was gone. Um, I coming from a great family, having nothing bad happen to me. I had the view of why would I be depressed? Why would I be struggling like this? This doesn't make any sense at all. It can't be that. So I buried it down, put it under the rug and, and thought maybe if I put it there, I won't have to deal with it anymore. And obviously that never works out like that. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. And I also didn't, I hate getting help. I'm very independent and feel like at the time I felt like getting help was a weakness. And like, I'd be crazy if I went and talked to somebody about what was going on. So that again, made me bury things down and I didn't tell anybody what was happening. Chris knew like I was not myself anymore but my family I put on a smile my friends like nobody knew the battle I was facing and I was at a point where I literally felt so stuck and felt like things were never ever going to change like just every day was so hard to get up and to just thinking like I've got to do this again tomorrow was just absolutely daunting and a task like I didn't think I could do because of where I was at and I struggled way too long because I didn't get help and that's a huge reason that I write about my struggles in the book and I'm so open and vulnerable is I just want people to realize that getting help is a strength and we also went away from God and that was another big thing like that was we went the complete wrong direction um and so when I was when we were able to get back to church and get our to get ourselves like with that relationship with God again and praying everything started slowly changing and then I was able to get strength to go in and talk with a mental health therapist and get on some medication like the chemicals in my body were so messed up and it changed completely obviously I had to put a lot of work in afterwards like get where I am because I did struggle for a long time and I became somebody I never thought I would be. Um, But I learned during that time to depend on God. And that was something that was missing with that dream I had to help these kids. I didn't depend on God. I didn't pray for myself. I didn't like put myself where I took care of myself. Um, I was completely always focusing on everybody else. And now as a foster and adoptive parent, I truly believe if I didn't go through that time and learn that you can't do things on your own, that you have to get help sometimes and that it's a strength to get help. And then you have to put God first and depend on God, let go of the weight, let go of the control. I don't think we could do what we're doing now. So those are, those are some big things that we open up about just to just show people, no matter how dark it feels, no matter if you 
think or feel like there's no hope left that there is. You just have to keep moving, keep facing what's going on and just be able to reach out and let out what's going on with somebody who cares, a family friend or a professional um, so you can get the help you need. That's so So good. good. Tell us a little bit more about the foster care and the adopting because I don't think we've even touched on that, but tell us what life looks like for you guys now on the other side of starting this family. Yeah, so we have been foster parents for three years, okay. um, and we've fostered seventeen kids. Oh and then, my gosh! Yeah, out of those 17, seventeen, seventeen, say seventeen. Yeah. Okay, just and then out of those seventeen, we've adopted five girls, a sibling group of four little girls, and then we also adopted Whitley, the one that really opened my eyes to foster care when she was nineteen. So our family's grown a lot, and it's definitely chaotic and crazy at times, but it's the most amazing thing. And again, like God had this great plan and we weren't necessarily ready for like, Hey, we we think we're going to adopt right now. Um, we knew we would someday, but God had these girls for us. Um, and it's just been absolutely amazing to be able to be a part of their story and all the kids that have come into our home to show them they're not alone and show them that somebody cares and they're safe and God has a plan. So it's just been an absolutely amazing journey and we're going to continue fostering as well um, because we know the need there's just so many kids out there in those situations where they've gone through terrible things and they just need a family to open up their homes and to be patient and loving and help them realize they're safe wow i mean because i remember when i was like i'm just following your journey i'm watching on social and i'm like oh i'm married and the next thing i was like oh my god they've got all these kids like they are my heroes <laughs> <laughs> took us like 15 years to amass five children. Yeah. I yeah. can't imagine five showing up at once. At once. That's crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, it happened really quick. Yes. We had seven kids at one time, too. We had our five adopted girls. This was right right after our sibling group of four girls. Uh, their adoption went final. So we had five of our daughters. And then shortly after, I thought we were going to be like, kind of like get things in a routine. But then two other kids came knocking. And we said yes. <laughs> so we had seven kids. They're all girls too. So I was really outnumbered. Wow. 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 That's amazing. Well, guys, thank you for sharing your story and just for how transparent you guys are. I know that's going to help so many people. So um, well, we, we want everyone who's listening, go grab this book. And then we're excited. There's this documentary coming soon. Cannot wait for people to see that. It's going to be such a powerful story of what happened in your life. And so we're cheering you on with that. And we'll give everybody an update when that comes live. But before we close out, we'd like to ask three Final questions. You guys ready for this? Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Uh, What's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So let's start with a book. What's a book that's changed both of your lives? I mean, I would say The Connected Child. So that's a book that is really good with trauma and understanding trauma. And it's really been able to open our eyes to help our kids the best that we can. So it's just been an absolute great tool for parenting um, kids who come from hard places and really understanding how trauma affects the brain. So that's been, I think, the biggest thing of how it's impacted um, me with parenting for the book. I'd say uh, Tim Tebow's latest book, uh, This Is The Day. I believe that's what it's called. It's a really powerful book and just uh, really uplifting and inspirational. I love it. All right. And then what's a habit that's changed your life? A habit. I mean, I'd say like a habit that is really important to me and it really came right away with my injury is that I'm really intentional and conscious about 
extracting the good and what I can do and my abilities. Like I'm always looking for just what I have and what I can do versus what I can and what I don't have. I think it's so easy in life to get caught up in um, wishing for something or comparing yourself to somebody else. We have Sometimes we live in this Instagram perfect style life, uh, but it's just not the, the truth. It's just not the case. And just being focused on what God has given you, like the abilities that you have and what you can do versus uh, what you can't or what you don't have. And uh, that's just a habit of mine that I'm just really intentional about is being really um, focused on what I can. Yeah. And for me, I would say that's been a huge one for me as well. So I'll just say that, but I'll say another one. So it's not the same, but um, a big one for me is surrendering the weight of what's out of my control. Um, As a parent, there's so many things that are out of my control. And especially with these kids who come into our home who have gone through a lot of different difficult things, it's easy to like want to take that from them and carry it, but it only weighs me down and I can't be the best mom possible when I do that. So that's something that I try to do intentionally of like, hey, what am I carrying that I wasn't meant to carry and God already has done this and it's his. Um, So just being intentional about like, I'm carrying this weight of this. I'm going to give it to God. I don't want it anymore. And then that's that helps me to be able to just continue working as hard as I can every day, focusing on what I can do and how I can help the kids and staying patient and understanding that I'm not the savior for these kids. I can't save them. And the only person that can is God. Oh, that's so good, Emily. That's really good. All right. If you're sitting across the table from a younger, <laughs> not better looking, Chris, Chris and Emily, <laughs> What advice would you give to that younger you? Oh, man, I would say just stay patient. Just keep doing the work. Stay focused on today. And don't get too caught up in the what ifs and in the future. Don't get too caught up in the past either. Really just stay focused on on your lane, on, on your day and what you can do. Yeah, and I would say that um, to be more vulnerable and to fight that because naturally I'm super closed off and I have been like ever since I was really, really young, I can remember being like that. So I would say to fight to be vulnerable and to let things out, um, to depend on other people, depend on God, and that just getting help is a strength and realizing that everyone needs help. That's so good. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, where can people find you, follow you, look you up, all that good stuff? Yeah, my website is chrisnorton.org. And so at chrisnorton.org, you can get directed to my motivational speaking side, which I do for a living. I travel the country sharing my keynote presentations. I have a nonprofit that helps other people with neurological disorders. Uh, One thing we did just this summer was we put on a wheelchair camp for kids and their families, and it was completely free for them to do like zip lining, horseback riding, laser tag, and just really build an uplifting, um, positive environment. And then uh, that's where you can also learn on the website about like the book and the film that's uh, going to be coming out. And then uh, social media wise, um, we're pretty active like on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. And my handle is at Chris A. Norton 16. And then mine is at Emily Summers Morgan. Okay, cool. We'll link to all that in the show notes, guys. But thank you so much for being here with us. This has been a blast talking with you and can't wait for people to hear your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, guys, thank you again so much for listening. We hope this episode blessed you, and we would actually love to hear from you. Please take a minute, leave us a review on iTunes, hit us up on our website, letsliveitwell.com, and we would love to meet you and get to know you on social media. Also, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. Thank you for being here with us every week. 
We love you guys. We're praying for you. And remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.